0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining the season one, episode one of Money and Skills with Dallin and Michelle um, on the Skills Recharge live podcast. So what I wanted to do is just switch it up. I want to be a student of my own work. I want to practice what I teach others to do. So I was like, okay, Michelle, you are encouraging everyone to be seen and be more visible. So going live is a thing right now. So I totally believe that professional development, there are multiple narratives that go along with professional development other than just job skills and things of that nature. So a lot of us are working for wealth building and things of that nature and legacy and finding our purpose and just enjoying life. And one thing about that, it includes money and skills. So I've asked my peer, um, Banterpool to join me and have these they have this season and I'm really excited about what we have in store for you. So Dallin, please share with the um those that are watching and listening about what you do.
1: What's going on, everybody? Thanks a lot for having me. on Michelle excited to rock out with this little experiment that we're doing. It's kind of an extension of a number of conversations that we're normally having behind the scenes anyway. Because so now we're just sure. having it online with you know the the rest of the internet and everybody else. So it's exciting to be doing that. From my side michelle is the project management person a lot more organized than i am as you probably you know you might notice as this goes on here but my side i am an investment banker by trade so i work in latin america primarily latin america and the caribbean i'm based i'm from the british virgin islands but i'm based down in panama city panama and i usually have to clarify that people who are in the u.s when i say panama city i mean the, the original the, the 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 spanish one where people actually speak spanish like i'm down here in central america So that's what I do for a day job, focusing more on high net worth clients and particularly now on institutions in the Caribbean. And then by night running a podcast and doing the financial education thing, trying to make sure we get more people, the information that can change their lives. Because I see a lot of this happening where my clients, it seems that they've just been exposed to a different set of information. So I'm trying to take those secrets and all those tricks and things and make sure we get them down to everybody else who needs it. So Michelle's going to talk about skills. I'll be talking about money. And we're going to make it do what it do.
0: Yeah, for sure. So for those that don't know, know, by day, I am a project manager. And like Dallin, I love to talk about anything, career, professional development in the evenings in my free time. So, yes, um, just an extension of what we do. So, Dallin, what do you want to talk about first? Um, our hot topic? Okay, so the hot can you hear me? Okay, so the hot topic that we have is don't be paper.
1: Your name on LinkedIn. They're out there, and he's saying to him, he was, he's saying as part of his commentary, like, Yes, the certifications are great, but he had this phrase and he coined it saying, Don't be paper, right? Don't be paper. And that, I don't know, I was scrolling down you every now and then. I mean, there's so much stuff you're scrolling down, you're seeing, but that really stuck out to me. I think I might have sent you a message on the site about it. This whole thing about not being paper and actually being able to. Execute the task or perform the things that you say that you're that you're able to do, right? Not just have the certifications and the letters. Not anything is wrong with that, right? There's a, obviously a place for that. We we recognize that, but there's so many people out there racking up letters and not being able to actually produce results when you put them on, you know, when you put them on the spot and put them on the job. So I'll, I thought that was really a an interesting way to put it. Don't be paper.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of us get caught up in the minutia of like proving our credentials and our credibility and like, see me, hear me. I have everything here. And like he said in the post, George McPherson, he was saying, um, make sure you can do what you sign. When you sign the job offer, you can do the skills, you can do the role. So yeah, yep. for sure. Indeed. Absolutely. So like one thing that I thought was really interesting um, for when it comes down to skills and one thing that's definitely coming up more and more as a hot skill is problem solving and i know a lot of people like i can problem solve it's not a big deal i got this it's something i do naturally but one thing i just wanted to share like tonight just for food for thought and that's all of us as we evolve in our career and what we're doing when we're problem solving how well can we explain ourselves in the yep. problem solving like it's one thing to say oh okay well it's just a b c then it's c and d but that's like okay can you really come off as the subject matter expert that you are with the 15 plus years of experience does it come through when you're explaining yourself and when you're explaining the solutions that you have implemented and the connectors you've identified for certain situations
1: yeah and i saw i saw related to this i saw i'm forgetting which one of the laws it is it's one of those like murphy's law This is a law, one of those main laws that happens all the time. I forget the name of this particular one, but it was saying essentially, if you can write down the problem clearly, you've already like halfway solved it. You know, you've already halfway more than halfway solved solved the issue. And I find that to be so true as I go through different things and you see people, you know, you're trying to figure things out. And I was guilty for a long time, still kind of (laughs) am, of rattling things around in my head. You know, you're trying to figure out a difficult situation and you're just sitting there running scenarios and you're saying, well, this could happen. It could possibly be that. Maybe this is what's going on. But then when you actually take the the extra step of trying to write down, like try to map it out, like on paper, could you actually write down what the problem is that you're that you're seeing here? And that's obviously could be personal things. But obviously, when you get into the work environment, try to map out the different pieces, like what is actually the sticking or what are actually the sticking points here? What parts of this are mission critical? And when you can do that and start being able to write it down and define the problem in a more you know more detailed way, if you can do that, that's an extremely valuable valuable skill. It, it's it's almost as it's almost as valuable as being able to go ahead and solve it. But just being able to articulate the problem itself in 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 a way that leads to a solution is very powerful.
0: Oh, for sure. And I was reading an article about Elon Musk and a twenty fourteen interview. He was yeah. saying that that's how he defines. Someone, if they're telling the truth in an interview, like it's the evidence of exceptional ability, is what he was coined to say, and making sure that that is something that he he can identify if someone knows their stuff or not. So mm-hmm. for sure,
1: groovy, 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 problem solving skills. And I see that so many times. I saw another uh, another business professional. They were defining the difference. Recently, between a $50,000 employee and a $100,000 employee. You might have seen this in my Instagram stories. I found it was kind of interesting yeah, as well. And she was saying, you know, and not that, not that either one of these people is bad or good, but it's just like, hey, if I hire a $50,000 person, as I'm a guy who's supposed to talk about money, you know, there's the expectation that you're going to be able to articulate the problem. You're going to raise your hand when you, or at least identify a problem. Maybe you can't articulate it that well, but you can at least identify the problem and say, hey, uh, this is something that's going on. We need to fix it. That's a fifty thousand dollars kind of situation. Fifty thousand dollars person, hundred thousand dollars person, is going to solve the problem ahead of time. They're gonna identify it. They're gonna articulate it. They're gonna figure out the solution and execute. So, as you're talking about trying to get your money up, especially here in 2022 for different folks, if you're trying to get out of that, I call it like there's this little, I don't know, if it's a like glass ceiling, but like there's this line that you cross over when you're like really considered an executive, like you're considered, um, like you're considered management material now. Than just like a line worker, where you're just you're just doing the task. But I think it's an important point to mention that if you're trying to cross over that line, the problem-solving ability is is a big sticker where you can actually start making that happen.
0: Oh, for sure. So I just recently read this article um, in FT Financial Times. Um, it was in regard to skill shortages, like demand, grow your training approach. And yeah. I just want to, like, piggyback on that because it was a great article on on-the-job learning and what does that look like and how people are just going to have to really spend more time training their existing workforce versus just externa- training externally. And I yeah. just want to, like, talk about how it's the importance of us professionals really owning our own professional development um, outside of the expectation of our employers. I think a lot of people possibly... Are feeling the the pressure that they put on themselves, or just society, just everything going on as we're navigating a pandemic, but the pressure to really figure out what that looks like for them to have career longevity, um, yeah. have a career that's a right fit for them. I think a lot of people were already thinking about that, um, just because their life, their life choices, and what they want to do, and who they have to take care of, and things of that nature. But I think the need to really figure out how to continue to be a strong contributor in addition to being, living, enjoying the work that you do. What does that look like? And so um, with all this conversation, I think it's very essential, but also just figuring out what what skills you need to do. What are your transferable skills? What are your hireable skills? Have you had that honest conversation with yourself about what skills that you need to improve? What skill set you might need to leave alone? Like, this is just yeah. not my jam. So, like, where do I go with this?
1: I've gotten to a point, and, and I don't know who listens, this might get in trouble, but I've gotten to a point where I realize in 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 the business world or in the corporate world, at least, like, if you can execute extremely well, like, there's some people you see out there who are, you think to yourself, this person is a complete Disaster! Like, why are they here? Why don't they get fired? Like, you don't understand. Like, why is this person? But what is it? They're able to execute really, really well on some skill that the company or the organization really, it really matters. You know what I mean? They they can do the money maker really, really well, and people are willing to almost ignore or forgive. Or just like, all right, you know what? Yes, they're a disaster and this and that. But when it comes to this right here that makes a lot of money, or this right here that's mission critical, this thing, this little bubble right here that makes makes this 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 company tick, they can do that very well. So I can put up with all the other mess. And I'm not suggesting that this is an excuse for being a bad professional in general and just focusing on one thing. But there is something to be said for focusing on the skills that really matter. You know what I mean? Like instead of just trying to Say, oh, I want to get all the certifications. I want to get all the things. You almost want to try to become a subject matter expert on something. I I heard a a partner from Arnson Young, a friend of mine, Jamila Abson. She a, she asked the question on a podcast when she was on my podcast a couple a couple of years ago. She said, "What's your fastball? Like, what is the thing? What is the thing that people know you for? Like, hey, if you need to get this done and this done very well, you need to go to." Michelle, you need to call Gary. You need to like forget all other stuff, but if you want to get this but you want the best person for this, this is who you need to be. you, you need to contact. And a, a lot of times I see professionals go through and they're complaining about their money, complaining about their salary, and then you ask them the same kind of question like what's your fastball? What's your what's your thing? What are what are you really an expert in? It's like these they give these vague. Well, you know, I'm a I'm an expert. No, no, no. no. If there's an uh in the answer, <laughs> this is not your fastball. Uh, you need to be able to say I'm the go to person. I have taken the time whether they were paying me for you know paying me paying for the training or not. I took the time and I became a subject matter expert in this thing this software, this task this this procedure or whatever it is so that you can actually start uh, upping your upping your value
0: true and you know one thing that we always hear, so this is just a reminder of what what can you solve, right? so yeah. what can you solve and is there a simulation like because that's big because face-to-face training is not always there so what what can you teach someone through digital technology through simulation things of that nature that's another thing like people still have to figure out how to train their workforce so you can monetize that in a whole nother way learn some skills along the way learning how to do that from a simulation standpoint so what does that look like so it's just A lot of creativity out there for people to be able to share their knowledge, but I think everyone's being stretched to figure out how to make sure the workforce is trained well and trained strong and trained to be effective moving forward from a productivity standpoint.
1: I think the the blessing and probably the blessing and the curse is that right now we have more information and virtual training resources and channels to get to get the skills than ever before. Now, the challenge with that, you know, is that you, you can almost become overwhelmed with too many different options and too many different things to go out there and learn. For example, if I, if I look at the list of things, I want to I mean, I learn how to code, I want to learn how to do this, that, the other, whole bunch of stuff I don't necessarily need right now, but it's just interesting. Like you can just go down rabbit holes. I mean, you could just go on YouTube. You you heard me over the last couple of weeks going down rabbit holes of all kinds of businesses that I, I'm, I was considering or am considering And it it can almost become a sport. You know, you can spend a whole bunch of time just looking at one video after the next, article after article, research paper after research paper. But you can also use it as a blessing and say, look, you can actually go and find the best resources, whether it's something free that you saw on YouTube or if you want to get more in-depth and targeted with what you're doing, you pay for a specific course or you identify someone who's doing what you want to do at a high level. A lot of times, these folks have resources out there, whether it's through Udemy or you know, Skillshare or other platforms, Masterclass, whatever it is, where they are giving out their knowledge, not necessarily for free, because I do believe in paying for what you, you know, the value of what you really want to get. But there's so much stuff out there right now that if you want to get skilled up in something, uh, this this is the time to do it. If you're trying to even apply to get your company to pay for something, it could be a training that before the bill for it might have been five thousand dollars because you had to travel, you had to leave the office, you had to get a hotel, all this kind of stuff. But where we are right now, for obvious reasons, just about everything is online. So I would say take advantage of it.
0: Yeah. And that's like our challenge for anyone watching this week is figure out what skills you need to acquire, right? What yeah. it is. So like, let's half it out. One, what interests you? What do you think my biggest thing is what can you see yourself doing a year from now? Maybe five years from now, it might be too far in advance for some people, but a year yeah. from now, Where do you see yourself wanting to be? So are you following people on LinkedIn that are in that industry? Are you following the experts? Are you listening to the publications? Are you listening to the podcast? Are you reading the articles? Are you really figuring out what aspect of it? For example, if it's human resources, well, what do you want to do? Recruiting? Do you want to do planning? Like what part of it interests you? Do you want to be a career coach? Because sometimes I think people get... Um, career coaching versus human resources, a little muddled sometimes. So it's like finding your lane and what does that look? Do you wanna work in a specific industry, like accounting? Do you wanna work in cybersecurity? What is that? And like, how are you gonna develop that? Do you need a mentor? Um, When do you need a mentor? And are you in a space to be a mentee, fully present and understanding the expectation Establish the expectation of what you want from a mentor, and then also, like, what do you want to be as a mentee? And then, like you said, like figuring out how you're going to do it free resources, LinkedIn learning, or all the way up to paying for something.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff all there right now, man. I mean, I, I think the the other side, as you mentioned, the LinkedIn stuff, I, one of the features that LinkedIn has that, since we're on LinkedIn here anyway, one of the features I think a lot of people overlook sometimes is that if you're trying to connect with someone, obviously LinkedIn is a little more, you, know, you don't get to connect with just anybody. You have to have like some mutual connections in between, dah, 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 unless you're paying for LinkedIn premium the whole nine. But you can always follow someone. You know, there's an option in there when you go to connect with them. You don't necessarily have to send a, a connection request. If they're doing something uh, interesting or something that you find useful, I found a lot of times I would start following someone and then start engaging with their content. And then eventually you can send the send in the request or send them a message or whatever it is. I find that works out a lot better than just sending a cold random you know, connection request. So that's the feature I think people can take advantage of as well.
0: And if someone that I don't know connects with me, I, of course, I look at their profile, but I'll always send a message, especially if we had no communication <clears> before. I'm like, hey, thanks for connecting. Or I look at their profile. And I really figure out what they've done. And I comment like, oh, your body of work is great. Or it looks like you've done great things that they've had posts or the company they work for. Or you look like a
1: stalker. Just tell the truth, Michelle. (laughs) You're trying to figure out who (laughs) you're trying to figure out. Is this person a weirdo? Should I actually accept this request?
0: Hey, I need to engage. That's part of keeping your stride. Engage with people. So I'm like, let's chat. I need to know what you do. How can we work together are we just following each other to follow and what can i learn because you know we can always learn something new you know something i don't know and vice versa so i'm i'm always in student mode i'm like let's get it
1: fair enough i think you're joking to see who's the stalker bro. whatever whatever you say I'm not okay argue that's
0: fine you. i'm standing by the networking aspect thank you well, okay <laughs> it's all good
1: oh man. so
0: all right so what's going what's going on
1: um what we're we gonna talk about next we can talk about so many different things i see you had here on our on our on our game plan you wanted to talk about this crown act and i know you want to talk about it i mean because obvious reasons you know I've, we've known each other for a couple years here and I, I, I have to say i've been around for the evolution of uh <laughs> the evolution of, of michelle especially the evolution of michelle's hairstyles i've been there for the long hair the short hair and now you know we're just here we got Shelly from the block, you know, and it, it it is what it is, you know. We got we got the cornrows out, we got the braids. What what, what what you want to say about it? what's your? I, I feel like I don't think I'm as a man. I don't think I am not just as a man, but I just don't think I'm. I, it's not my place to start this conversation. I feel like women get the the tougher end of the stick in this this whole hair crown, just how you present yourself conversation. I'm gonna sit back for a second and, and get your your take on it first.
0: Well, I think it's something that a conversation, this has been going on forever. Um, The Crown Act stands for creating a respectful and open world for natural hair. It's a law that prohibits race-based hair discrimination, which is in denial of employment and educational opportunities because of hair texture or protective hairstyles, including braids. Mm-mm-mm. braids, locks, twists, or bantu knots. And it's passed so far in 14 states. And to date, this 14 states have passed this law and there's 36 more states to go. So basically, I just want to add a voice to it because it's something that's still going on. I think hair discrimination is something that a lot of um, women of color have experienced at some in some form or fashion, whether they realize it or not. And I just want to just, you know, wave my flag of support and this is it just adding another voice to this narrative that is something that um, if you're not aware of it just please make yourself aware of it and if you are just trying to understand what other people go through and things you know because we all have different things that we all go through be it if you're um, just whatever all of our journeys are different and we all have different and em- things that impact us and then I know certainly this is something that impacts women like myself so yeah. I'm all about it and I'm like please you know we we want to all be comfortable in what we do and confidence is something I think that it shows up in many ways and being yourself just helps you be able to be more confident in the workplace and shine yeah. and really share your voice because your voice matters
1: yeah, and I I totally agree with what you're saying. I mean, from my side, obviously you look at me, I don't have much hair, you know, either which way. So it's not 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 it's not a huge personal issue for me, but I definitely have, you know, two young, you know, beautiful black girls growing up. And it's something that I think about because I've, you know, I've lived in a number of different places, some places where it doesn't make that big of a difference, like in the Caribbean, because you have, you know, more black people there. You have, the natural hair is not something that's super, super odd. But at the same time, you do have the the prevalence of everybody's doing a perm or everybody's trying to do this, you still have the influence of, of that kind of, that kind of effect on there. But I do have two little beautiful black girls. And I, I think about it, especially when I saw uh, the oldest going to school she started school last year, knowing that I, I went to drop her off. I'm like, it's a lot of Becky and Kate's, you know, she's the only, she's the only kid who has this kind of kinky curly hair. And, you know, fortunately for now, but it has not been an issue that we had to address with her or have a conversation. I haven't seen any 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 reports of necessarily bullying or anything. But in the back of my head, I keep thinking at some point this might happen and we're going to have to have a conversation about, you know, reinforcing her 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 self-worth and all that kind of stuff. So for now, we're just trying to make sure she she knows that she's beautiful, knows that how the way her hair naturally is, is fine. If she decides to do something with it later on, you know that's a whole other conversation we can have, but I, I definitely support the idea of letting people uh, rock their natural hair, how it is. but this is my question. just if I could push back on it just a little bit, do you think, and this is just a question, folks, this is not an opinion of mine. This is just a question. don't don't dm me about this. don't get in the comments. This is my question. with the whole conversation about natural hair or being able to wear your hair in, in its natural state, do you think? There is, how do I phrase this? Do you think there's still a, I I don't know if it's a line or do you still think there's a way where, okay, you can say you're wearing your natural hair professionally or neatly, is is there still an untidy? Is it, or is it just a a blank check for people to just show up however they want to show up, wherever, whichever way, and we have to be like, oh, that's fine. You know what I mean? Like, is there still, even if you have your natural hair, is there like professional style of, is there a professional way of styling your hair that looks neater and then there's this is a little bit kind of wild or is it just like hey man whatever people want to do barish johnson just let you just just let them do it
0: yeah we will have an hr expert come on and talk about that specifically i'm not hr
1: yeah i just don't i i don't And this is the question i'm asking i don't know i just i'm just putting it out there uh to see if there's like a you know if i if i decided just to you know stop shaving I, I, even for the men if i decided to just you know the, let's say i wanted to grow an afro my afro is not going to happen by the way but if i wanted to just you know wear an afro out i just said to stop shaving for you know six months and it's just going crazy whatever it is is that just cool people just have to suck it up and like whatever he's wearing his natural beard i guess or is there still a, a line where you like you know, okay yes i'm natural i'm doing my own thing but i still need to be neat you know that's the question i just i, I wonder about sometimes uh, with, with I would whatever, just say just giving comes down to edge.
0: industry just, it, it, Everyone's different So every industry is yeah. different Every role is different I think it comes down to what's the expectation of the role And what goes along with that But I do want to share that Michelle Brown did um, say That she loved your fastball comment In terms of uh, my expertise What what am I a SME on? She said that was so good So thanks Michelle for sharing mm-hmm.
1: Groovy, groovy, groovy Thanks a lot, Michelle, for checking us out.
0: So, and I think the whole, like I said, just the whole thing for the hair mention is because our confidence is impacted by so many things and you just want to be able to like come in strong as much as possible, you know, right now and all these different things that we're all going through, which makes me want to talk about um, the power of, again, your voice and your skill set and sharing what you do so well. So, there was an executive, uh, many of us are aware, I'm familiar with Issa Rae and all the amazingness that she does. And yeah. um, I wanna take it all the way back to, there was a, an Essence published an article on there's a tech that there's a tech executive that inspired Issa Rae to watch Misadventures of the Awkward Black Girl. And mm-hmm. so the publication came back out in 2010, a um, communication executive, Leslie Pitterson, and she was just basically sharing her story. And like a few um few years later, um Issa Rae put out there that that story impacted her sharing her voice and what she wanted to do and um how she was moving forward. And she actually put a tweet out there saying, I am the example of what you put in this article. And yep. so another group that always comes to mind for me is the Gen Xers, like I'm a Gen Xer and for sure I talked to a lot of different women that are doing amazing things. They're like doing their thing, but sometimes they shrink back and men too, not just women. They shrink back or they're like, here I am at this crossroads in life. And I'm like, you're not dead. Share your skills, share your expertise. I mean, anyone can be that inspiration to someone to do amazing things like that one article did for Issa Rae. Like, yeah. I just want to just give a, high five you got this to anyone out there that's afraid to share their expertise reluctant or they're just tired and they're like man i've given and given i've shared and shared now what i might like, share it anyway share yeah. it move it because you never know what game changing information your voice and your expertise is going to give someone so yeah this Allison, is a conversation
1: i had yesterday with some folks
0: oh, this yeah? is a conversation oh.
1: i just yeah we're talking i was talking it was another training session i had with some folks in the uk and one of the questions—it happened to be a group of women, by the way—and one of the questions that came out was along these same lines: like, "Hey, how do I get?" I think the way she phrased it like, "How do I get out of my head and gain the confidence to share the expertise or share the idea, or the business idea, or just get you know to get get over that confidence of get over the, the the lack of confidence rather and get out there and do things." And I think that's exactly it. That's the kind of response I gave her. I said, "Listen." Someone, so many of us get intimidated by the fact that somebody else is doing, we think someone else is already doing what we're doing, or they're, they're doing it better, or they're doing it bigger. I mean, you've had to check me a couple of times when you say, listen, you know, so-and-so is doing whatever, but, you know, we need some, there's somebody out there that wants to hear it from you. They want to hear your version. They want to hear it through your voice. So I think anybody out there who's struggling with that kind of stuff, especially here in 2022, you know, do your thing, man rock out share your voice we want to hear we want to hear your magic we want to hear your your version of the story We want to hear it told with your nuances you know what i'm saying so go out here and put it out there share your stuff
0: oh for sure i mean that's part of part of the reason we're doing live that's me getting over going live right so i'm like okay i can tag team and so forth so on so i get it again practicing what we teach and doing it scared sometimes or nervous it's all good but i just want everyone as you go through this week think about what are you not doing that you know you should be sharing your information about for sure so okay Dallin, let's talk about some money let's talk about the money line
1: i mean you know money it's a thing this, this is my thing i had someone ask me this is someone who knew me from when i was younger and everything you know so we went to school together and everything and they said what is up with you? And why are you always talking about money? Are you obsessed with money? And the funny thing is, I told him, you know, the reason I'm constantly thinking about money, it's actually the, quite the opposite. I don't want to have to think about money, which is why I'm spending so much time now talking and thinking about money, right? But when I get around uh, like the high net worth clients that, that I deal with, when you go out to dinner with these folks and you, you're in more casual settings, they have a lot of money. The conversations are usually not about money. They're talking about their families they're talking about where they travel they're talking about ideas they want to bring to fruition the new business they want to start they're actually not just sitting around all the time obsessing over money because they did that they they went through that phase already right they they' they spent the time mastering money so that money didn't have to have to master them so it's always ironic to me when people come and say well what why are you always talking about money or why are you so obsessed about money or they you know go misquoting the Bible with the whole you know uh, money is the root of all evil thing which we know is not the, what it actually said, love of money. Whole other sermon. I know it's Sunday. But people do that kind of stuff. And it, interestingly, the folks that don't have money are the ones who are going to spend more time thinking about money because, okay, i got to pay this bill. I got Every decision you make is just is always driven by how much can, what can I afford this? I want to get to the point where, Michelle, I want to get to the point where, not that I'm trying to spend irresponsibly or just do whatever, but I want to get to the point where Money or the price or the cost of something is not in the top three factors that go into my decision. If I'm thinking about going on a vacation, I don't want to, it's a whole other world out there. I want to think about, you know, how much time do I want to spend? What are the amenities there? I want to think about that kind of stuff. I want to think about, do I want to go on that long flight? I want to think about that kind of stuff. I don't want to be thinking or limited by how much money I have to spend on this, you know, I may spend a lot. I may not spend any at all. I might fly in first class. I might fly coach, but I just want to have that freedom and that flexibility to know that I'm making the choice and my bank account is not making it for me. You know what I mean? I do so
0: that's so how connect it. the skills to it.
1: So this is where it comes in. You know, I, I wrote a, a blog post. Uh, that I got a decent amount of attention a couple, like a year, or a year and a half ago. It ended, up, it ended up in my book, no boss, any clients. And it's talking about this concept called the money line, right? And this is what this is the way this is how I see companies. I have gotten over, and this is the background of this, by the way, comes from me being an auditor first, working with like Ernst Young, BDO, you know, being the auditor for major companies, then moving over into the banking world. So you get to see the inside of a lot of operations, right? You get to see the inside of a lot of companies, sit with these executives. And what I've found is at the heart of it, even in the nonprofit space, because I had nonprofit clients, at the at the heart of it. Companies are just there to make money. You can try to sugarcoat it, talk. I don't care if you're a nonprofit. You can sit there talking about you, you have all these benevolent goals and your corporate philanthropy and da-da-da-da. You can have all that stuff that you do on the side. But at the end of the day, companies are not there to help you f- fulfill your hopes and dreams. They're not there to help you build your career. No, no one goes and no, there's no business owner that says, you know what? You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to risk My financial future and stay up all night building a business so that Michelle can have an amazing. No, like (laughs) I'm sorry to break the romantic. They're not saying that companies exist to make money. Now, if you in the process of doing, if, if you can help them make money, and in the process of that, you get your you know your goals accomplished and that kind of stuff. Great, they'll rock with you. But I guarantee you, as soon as you stop making that company money, your your importance drops. Right. So in every company. There's almost a river, which I call the money line. There's a river of things going through the company. And the closer you are to that 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 assembly line, that river of things that really makes the money flow in the company, the higher you're going to get paid. So it's not that not that everybody in the company isn't important and they have a role to play. I'm just saying your proximity to this line is going to affect you know your 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 compensation. Right? And when I say compensation, I'm talking about more than just your salary. I'm talking about, Vacation. I'm talking about stock options. I'm talking about your ability to make your own decisions, your autonomy. I'm talking about your whole compensation package, right? So that's what I'm talking about when you talk about the money line. So what I encourage people to do, especially here in 2022, is wherever you're working, right? Wherever you're working right now, even if you're an entrepreneur, think about the things, right? And I'll 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 do the, the the two sided thing. If you're in a company, you need to start thinking about the things that really contribute to the money line in this company. What is it that really makes this company? Tick. This is why a receptionist, as important as he or she is, as important as they are to be in the front facing part of the business, they're not going to get paid the same amount as the top salesperson who's connecting with clients. Crucial job, right? I mean, the 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 receptionists at 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 my office, I mean, these they're 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 amazing. They they're bilingual. You can't get it down here in Latin America. You can't get a job as a receptionist in any decent place unless you speak at minimum two languages fluently. So these are amazing, smart people, but they're not going to get paid as much as the top salesperson who is bringing in, you know, a million dollars, two million dollars on a client, you know, each month. It's just not going to happen because this person is just happens to be closer to the money line. Right. So that's kind of the way I look at it. So I'm encouraging everyone out there to go out and think about the skills that you want to get, that you need to get, to get yourself closer to that money line. On the entrepreneur side, the same kind of way. If you're saying you're an entrepreneur, and I mean a real entrepreneur, not the Instagram entrepreneur. It's <laughs> another joke from yesterday. Not, if you're out there calling yourself a CEO and the chief executive officer, but there are no other executive officers in your organization, chances are you're probably, not a, you know, you're probably not an entrepreneur. You might be a freelancer, a big freelancer, fine, but you're not really an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. But for the entrepreneur, entrepreneurs out there, it's the same thing. Think about the, the business that you're building and what is the actual money line that's running through it. You want to make sure that you and your top people are spending more time on those tasks and you're delegating things that don't really contribute that much to the money line, right? You want to make sure you can put more of your time, more of people's valuable, more of the high value people's time into pushing the things that are on that money line versus spending time on the skills that are, you know, kind of peripheral out there. So that's, that's, that's my take on what people need to do with skills and money for now.
0: Okay, so I have a couple of questions. Or just some things to just expand upon further. So, when it comes to determining when someone's like, hmm, maybe that was a food for thought reminder or a new share for someone. So, if they're in analysis stage and they're like, I want to make more money, okay, yeah. and they're like, okay, maybe I am near the money line. So, where are they, how do they break that down from the standpoint of they're an analyst? And they want to make more money, so they understand like the understand one. I think can contributes to understanding where you stand on the money line is understanding the chain of command in which you fall. Right? Yeah. Where do you fall within the chain of command? Understanding the skill sets of what you have. So, like based off of that, is there something that your peer knows that you don't know? Um, what about your transferable skills as far as what works with the groups that if you work with um, other groups, not just within your group, like you laterally, um, what does that look like? And what are your peers being called on for information that you might not be called on for information to be a contributor to? And how yeah. do you close that gap? So I feel like when people are trying to understand the money line a little more and how it applies to them, I am like map it out, create your roadmap of yourself from communication like what communication do you contribute to in addition to what do you um, what are you sought for as far as problems um, solving identify what tables you sit at that your voice yeah. is needed and then what tables you're not being introduced to that these are like ways to get a real understanding if you can't understand how the budget of your group is there because sometimes the budget's not there, right? So people have to understand where you fall in that and how, like read the employee's manual, like read read the employee's manual, understand the the logistics of the organization you work for, understand um, what there is, you know, your attrition plan and things of that nature, understand everything. So you're making a very informed decision whether or not you should stay and develop or you should stay and go, or yeah. you just need to like figure out what it is. So, I just want to like talk about that a little bit more because it's yeah. it's deeper and you got to get nitty-gritty. You got to get into the details. You got to get into the detail trenches to really make sure that you're making the best decision for yourself.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And I think that's a that's an excellent approach to it. I mean, the other side th- the other side to this, I would say is I am I'm a little bit of a hybrid. You know, as as much as I believe that there are ways to to, to do a career, like a traditional career, a nine to five, a corporate job, as much as I believe there's a way to do that traditional career correctly, I still am a strong believer that you got to have other things going on. You have to augment that income. You You can't be you, you can't be a great professional, but you're still hostage to just this one company, right? You, you got to look at it as this is your main client, right? This is not your employer. This is your main client. You spend the most time with them, fine. They pay you monthly, and I heard Ash Cash put it this way: your, your job is your first investor. Put it that way, all right. So you're spending that time, but you got to figure out ways to understand the money game and have your money doing other things. Other things and understand how money is rolling around you in the world, right? So this is why, and this is something that applies to all professionals. I don't care if you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a project manager, wh- whatever it is, you still need to understand. The people I see who are becoming the most successful are folks who understand the money role like my clients from a banking perspective a lot of these folks they they have they're regular people they don't necessarily have a financial company or a job like what you know some of them they just have regular companies whether it's a supermarket or you know whatever other business that's not necessarily financial related but the ones who are becoming the most successful they understand how money works in general they understand enough about financial markets they understand enough about economics to how things are how things are moving and what's happening Right? So that's why I just try to encourage people at least to have a high level understanding, especially at the top of the week here on Sunday. What is happening in the world around me as I go into this week? Like, why are certain things not available? Why is Amazon having trouble getting my package here? Why are there shortages on things? What's going on in, in the supply chain in the world? And these are little things that, you know, you can you can try to ignore like, oh, my gosh, I don't have time to think about that financial stuff. But it's affecting you. Right. Especially you look at different places. Uh, if you take, for example, in the U.S. versus China, you kind of got two different things, two opposite things going on. In the U.S., over the last uh, year and a half, two years since the pandemic hit, you know, the Fed has been pumping money into the market, right? printing money, buying securities, buying debt. You know, going out there, putting money on the street to try to keep the keep the economy going come down to the top of 2022. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Things are getting too hot. Inflation went a little crazy last year. We got to pull it back. The economy is at risk of overheating and things might get too expensive too fast. And they said they were given indications, at least, that they plan to pull back on that stuff. They don't plan to be spending as much and putting as much money out into the market. Now, you might hear that in the news and think, oh my gosh, that's just gibberish. What does that mean? But you got to think about it this way. Inflation. The most basic, you know, watered down example Stuff is getting more expensive over time, right? The cost of something today is going to be lower, or the cost of something in in a year is going to be a lot higher than it is today. And that starts affecting you if you're thinking about getting a raise, if you're thinking about if you're thinking about money. Like, yo, okay, so somebody's offering you. They tell you, hey, Michelle, if you uh, meet these objectives over, I see Orlando knows what's up. If, if what's up, Orlando Hayes, I follow him. You see, this is what I'm talking about. I follow Orlando Hayes on on, on LinkedIn. But somebody's telling it's you, a hey, you know,
0: fantastic podcast. So y'all need to check out um, Orlando's podcast. Follow, we're we talking about follow people, follow,
1: Orlando. follow, follow Orlando. But yep. if someone says to you, like, yo, if you if you do this job, X, Y, Z, meet these objectives, we'll give you a ten thousand dollar raise uh, at the end of three years. Or, you know, as soon as you pass this, especially like in these structured programs like accounting, you're going to go, you spend three years in this position, then you move up. You got to be able to realize, whoa, 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 whoa. They just told me ten thousand dollars in three years. Inflation is moving at the rate of X. Therefore, that ten thousand dollar raise that they're giving me is really just a five thousand dollar. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Am I getting am I getting the okie doke? Like, am I getting bamboozled here? Is that is that enough? Are we thinking about the same thing? Do I need to play this negotiation a different way and say, hey, let's have that as a base and revisit this in a year so we can you know be inflation adjusted? Those are the kind of things you need to think about. So that's the U.S. side of things. But then if you're over in China, they're having the opposite situation right where they're trying to get the economy boosted right the places with this movement to slowly they're trying to stimulate growth so you hear things in the news like china is the chinese central government is reducing the, the the deposit rate Now, what does that mean what that means is they're trying to make it less advantageous for you to keep your money in the bank they're, they're, lower, they're lowering the amount of interest you can gain by just having your money in the bank doing nothing and that's their way of pushing people to take that money out of the bank and go do something with it. Go build a building, go invest in something, go start a business. So they're trying to, that's how they, they, they move around their monetary and fiscal policy. This happens all over the world, where they're trying to turn the screws indirectly. When you see interest rates moving, all that is a way to control behavior, right? They're trying to control the way the things we do or don't do with our money. So they make it less advantageous to keep your money in the bank. Boom. All of a sudden, they're like, okay, people. if you're going to lose money in the bank, then they're going to say, you need to get out and do something. A couple of years ago in Europe, they went all out. They had negative interest. like You're getting punished for trying to save your money. You put a hundred dollars in today, it will be less than a hundred dollars in a month. So don't put it in there, go do something with it, invest it, do something else. So all those kind of things are things we need to understand. If you jump down to a place like the Caribbean or Latin America, it's a whole different ballgame. Uh, I've talked to clients, for example, in the Caribbean who are They're getting, they're earning like 1% or less than 1% on a deposit. Like I said, they had a one year deposit. If you try to do, if you're a bank or something like that, and you come to Latin America offering people a 1% rate, you will get laughed at because where they're at down here, the competition, the market is different. You know, it's just a whole kind of different vibe. You got to be talking 2.5, 2.75, 3% up to get anybody's attention. So, all that kind of stuff matters because you might be saying to yourself, oh, I'm just here. I'm going to invest in the U.S. stock market. I'm going to invest in in, in the, the New York Stock Exchange, and I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to go on and get some Amazon, blah, 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 blah. But if you're not aware of how things move in different places in the world, you could have been earning a better return on your money by investing in Latin America. right? You could have been earning a better return on your money by doing some other project in the Caribbean, but you got to be aware of the different things that are going on. You talk about treasury bills, like when people think about treasury bills, the first thought is usually just to go to, uh, to a UST bill, right? That's like the gold standard, the, the global standard for, for treasury bills. But you have to understand that there are governments all over the world that are issuing treasury notes or, or sovereign debt, like country debt. So you go to a place like the Bahamas, I mean, they have what? You know, they just did a huge debt issuance out there. They have bonds out there that are paying you know upwards of 5 6%. They're expiring in 2032. Right, it's far out there. So, you could be doing things with your money that are could possibly be earning better than what you're thinking about just by doing in the United States. But it comes from an understanding of global economics and putting your money to work in different places. And if it sounds crazy, trust me, the rich people that you're seeing on the news, whether they're in the US or not, this is what they're doing. Right. We see it every day. We see the flow coming through and understanding global economics, getting a, a general understanding of what you how money works, even if you're not in a financial. A quote unquote, financial job is crucial to, to getting to the point where you're free from the tyranny of that one paycheck, you're free from the tyranny of being held hostage to just a just one job. So I'll get off my soapbox
0: oh, you can stay on the soapbox. It's good information. And it's, it's a conversation that we all need to have. Like you need to have a solid understanding. So this comes down to what we were talking about offline was collecting your receipts, right? You're going to yeah. go back and you're going to break it down, review, analyze this here, this here. And when it comes from the skills perspective, from my, what I perceive from what you're sharing, okay, if you're understanding the landscape, understanding how the money flows, where the money resides, everything, the economy of everything. If you feel that, Hey, it's real. So like, where, where, where do you stand to make sure that you have what you need to have moving forward, that you're not like a sitting duck a year from now or two years from now, like what, N- not employed or not making the money that you need to make or didn't make the right thing. So my thing from a skills perspective is one, understand the the lifeline to the different what's fueling the economy, right? The tech, yeah. the sustainability, um, things of that nature. If you don't have an interest in those things, that's fine. We are all not interested in the same thing, but you might yeah. want to consider finding what you are interested in for a company that supports that, specific industry in a way like there's 5 million ways to skin a a cat right as my grandmother would say so I'm like find your be be true to yourself and what interests you because you want to enjoy your work but you might also need to start uncovering yes other income streams and things of that nature but find the synergies that work for you by educating yourself continuing to educate yourself because most people are very in tune but how does it apply to them like challenge yourself to figure out how does it apply to you and the skills that you need and how does that work? Do you need to consult? Like you can be the nine to fiver, but you can maybe consult through um, another, another avenue or through networking, however that can be, to share your expertise with, to learn more. Like you've got to put your, you got to work hard to put yourself in the, in the room to hear the information, however that can be. So through your network or, you know, just, Signing, like you said earlier, paying to be in the paying paying for it. That could be paying to go to an event, virtual or in person, you need to be able to network and see who's there and things of that nature. Don't be afraid to invest in yourself. Just because, but don't be afraid to invest to be gain access to the information that you need to continue to beyond survive. Like I'm about seeing people thriving, right? Yeah. So for people to thrive,
1: I just talked about skills. I would even say don't neglect, I say this, the way I put it is don't, ne- don't neglect your superpowers. These undercover superpowers that you think are not related or not useful to what you're trying to accomplish in life. I'll give you the example. So I work as an investment banker, but I also have a, a whole other life where I play saxophone and flute professionally. Right? Professionally, you know, performed on major stages, from Oprah, Spike Lee, all this kind of people. Like, this was a whole other life I had at night. I used to leave work at 5 by 5:45, I'm on a yacht performing. We're changing clothes, you know, Superman, Clark Kent, Superman, and it. We're rocking out, doing all this stuff. And for a while, I try to play that down because I wanted to be, you know, the corporate, you know, the corporate guy. I wanted to, I wanted to be seen as a, a, an executive, right? And I had to. I, I started playing that back and playing it down. When I moved to Latin America, obviously my Spanish was not amazing. Still not that amazing. I can handle myself pretty well enough. If I don't say so myself. But I got in here First three months. You walk into the company, everybody down here most people speak english anyway but you want to be part of the general conversations and you have not experienced if you think going to a cocktail party is awkward when you walk up to the little group and you're trying to like you know smidge your way into the conversation and try to find a way when when someone says something interesting or topic that you know you're trying to jump in if you think that's awkward multiply that by ten thousand when you can't even understand what the conversation is about when people are a little bit tipsy and they're talking about a whole bunch of craziness they're speaking fast you don't even know what they're talking about in a different language and one of the ways I was able to punch through that is by tapping into the superpower. I pulled in skills that people that you wouldn't think apply in a corporate arena. First Christmas party. I'm on the job two months, stepped outside of my car, got the saxophone, jumped up on stage with the DJ and rocked it for like 10 to 15 minutes. Like just smashed a set. Had a pre-recorded, had a pre-recorded mix setup, like how I'll do if I was gonna perform somewhere else. Jumped on stage and rocked it. What did I do the, the month before that? I listened to the radio. Went around as I went on the restaurants. I see what people are bombing their head to. I threw in all the Latin hits. People are like, "Oh my God, that's crazy! this guy's crazy. Jay Z style is crazy, man." Did all that kind of stuff. And what happened? Immediately, even though my 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 Spanish skills weren't the best, people are suddenly endeared to you. You're suddenly interested. You got the attention of the executives in the room. Like, oh, this guy that took some balls. Like, I mean to jump up here in a room full of strangers and do that oh he has this this extremely high high level skill that he can execute maybe he can do the same thing in the office one thing led to the next next thing you know that same night i got invited to a private party at one of the, the the directors of the bank's houses his country's like it's a super crazy villa out in the countryside and then i'm i'm mixing with all the executives who are way above my weight right that came from not just doing a good job in the office, but that came from using these side skills that you would think need to be discarded because you're in a corporate space. So I will say, look, man, if you're out there and you have other other skills that you're thinking about that you that you have, don't be afraid to try to find ways to creatively use them as well. Don't leave your creativity at home just because you're in the office.
0: And don't be afraid to, don't be, don't shrink back and not share what you do because you just never know what opportunities. And that's something I'm always reminding myself of and I'm just like, share. Share your expertise with people and move forward from that. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah groovy, sure.
1: groovy, groovy, groovy. What are you going to tell the people to do this week, Michelle? What are we going to do?
0: Don't feel guilty.
1: <laughs> agreed. You agreed?
0: Yeah. Don't feel guilty, and that applies to a lot of different things. One, if you need rest, rest. Don't feel guilty. If you... Don't feel guilty, and from a standpoint, no, it's a real conversation. So I don't, I don't, don't feel have guilty it. to rest. <laughs> if you need rest, rest. Because I talked to an amazing professional this week. She was on. She's on her game, doing all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, ma'am, you got a lot going on. So one thing that one thing that came to mind as I reflected upon that conversation with her, and it didn't apply, but it just made me think. Like we push ourselves so hard to excel. Generally speaking, most executives do or they aim to be a high performer in life according to their definition beyond what their employer might ask of them, right, or their clients might expect of them. And it's like, you got to find a balance in that. And that's one thing yeah. that I kept thinking about, like, I want to encourage people to do in the midst of becoming being the high performer that you are uh, making amazing moves that you're doing. Find time to rest and don't feel guilty about that. You know, set the parameters, your weekends are your weekends, you don't respond whenever. People can send emails whatever time of the day, but you can still have your set time that you dedicate to responding to these emails. And these are just reminders I'm giving. A lot of people like, I know that, but sometimes we need to be reminded. So these are the reminders, right? The reminders of boundaries, the reminders of rest, the reminders of don't feel guilty for taking a few moments for yourself don't feel guilty for exploring something that has nothing to do with your job. Like if you want to learn something, then learn it, read something just because not because you're trying to do whatever, like people can get so caught up in that. And they're like, they see the posts on social media and they're obviously we're doing, especially on LinkedIn, people are getting their certificates and certifications and they finish this class and that class. And it's like, you know, kudos to you. But sometimes it's not about that because it's a, overall package right because the overall package comes up because like you said sometimes after meetings people don't want to have small talk about what they just talked about the L yeah. or whatever they want to talk about you know what was your favorite college memory for me i enjoy studying abroad in the caribbean so like sometimes you know, Island, never- <laughs> hey it was amazing two summers so <laughs> you know like these are things like you got to be able to have, you have to be able to develop something or have something else to talk about than just business. And for some, that's a skill. And that's the skill of storytelling. So, you know, storytelling is something that we all need to be able to do um, in some form or fashion. You know, when you're interviewing, you got to be able to tell a story of your skills. You can't always be the hero. If you listen to um, the last, the last season I put out for a Career Tipper podcast with Kathy Francois, she talked about that. She talked about that you can't always be the hero. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you're the underdog. Sometimes you just missed it. How are you yeah. going to tell that story? How are you going to be the, how are you going to get people to understand that you get it, right? That you understand yeah. that, you understand the assignment as a lot of people are saying right now, do you understand the assignment? How can you yeah. tell the story? to say that you understand the assignment and that you are exactly who you say you are. And then some, because you can explain yourself well.
1: Yeah. I I, I don't want to talk about it. Look, the rest thing, I'm so guilty. We talked about this before. Like I, I, what I will say is that I'm doing better for 2022, all all 23 days of it, (laughs) all 23 days of 2022. And cause I, I'm I'm one of those people. Like you, you know, I think a lot of us out there are the same way. Like you're hungry, you want success, you're not lazy, and you're willing to do what you gotta do. You will push, you will grind, you will, you know, you do what you gotta do to get to the place where you wanna you wanna get to. And for me, like I feel, I feel like I'm, I always feel like I'm late to the party. I always feel like I'm behind. I'm, I'm like I gotta get. I'm gotta hurry up and get to this other place. And I started realizing after a while that I was getting sick more or I was getting I was more vulnerable to getting sick, especially these days. You do not want to be getting sick around these, days. even if it's just because these days you don't know if you need to just take like a honey and lime capsule thing and, and you'll be fine. You don't know if you need some tea or you're about to die. So you don't want to be getting sick around these times. So I started having these situations. I was, I felt like I was more susceptible to getting sick. I was becoming more irritable or I'm working and I'm doing all this stuff but I wasn't making the best decisions. I wasn't putting out the highest quality work. I was having trouble being creative. So I had to pull back and really just try to learn how to how to relax and rest. I mean, this December was the first time, I think it was the first time. I think this this December was the first time I traveled without a laptop in like 15 years. Normally crazy. I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I got to Just in case something pops up and I, I got to have a got I can't just trust the phone. I got to have a laptop in case I need to go on and do this like a client call. This is the first time. And it was I remember it was weird for me going through what do you call it, like the TSA, the security thing in the airport? Because I was like, oh, this is easy. Is this how you people travel all the time? I was like, my wife, this, is, how you, this is, is this what it's like? I was telling my wife. Well, you don't have to take a whole bunch of crap out your bag, and they're scanning you down, and you get pulled aside. I'm used to having like microphones and laptops and all this work, work, work stuff just in case. Uh, But yeah, you got to learn how you just got to learn how to rest. I'm still working on it. I would admit this is something I need to figure out uh, because I will wake up feeling guilty or not rest well because I'm feeling guilty because of all the other stuff that I could be doing. Uh, But it's something for us to all 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 learn how to do. So I'll, I'll work on it. Maybe before we get done with this series, I'll figure out how to relax. We'll keep you posted on that.
0: Yeah, okay, that's fine. That's a work in progress. We're all work in progress, so we want to make it work. So, speaking of like what we're working on, like one thing that I, one narrative that is really close to the chest that I'm really um, excited about that is blossoming is my keep your stride narrative. So, stride stands for stats, teachable, um, research, intentionality, development, engagement. So today we kind of really focus on engagement, like engaging with understanding the why behind things, the logistics behind things when it comes to our money and just how we can or how we contribute to our workplace. So as we just go into this week, that's and that's in addition to the challenge that we issued earlier, I really want everyone to just think about their engagement and their approach and their communication style and that aspect of how they interpret communication that's being given to them. And then also how they're sharing it as well. I think that's the skills, um, just, you know, food for thought. Just think about how it is. And are you reading something that's a differing opinion from you? And how do you process that? How do you respond from that? Do you keep your cool? Are you okay with it? Are you researching further? Does it make you think of your own perspective a little different? Because our skills are so many things. It's hard. It's technical. It's soft. Um, our narratives are intertwined and it's a constant work in progress. And some of us mm-hmm. are going through development. We don't even realize it. So, yeah.
1: Groovy, man. I think uh, there's a lot of good stuff we got talked about tonight. And we don't want to just talk about stuff. We're talking about it's sake. We want right. to give folks a little bit of homework. When I say homework, I mean, it's not homework. We're not in school here. But you know what I mean. We're going to give people some an action that's something you can actually do. And for this week or a little mini challenge, as we're talking about skills and we're talking about money and all this stuff, we want you to go out there and this week we're going to start picking, right? We're not going to, we're not trying to finish everything and become amazing by next Sunday when we come back on. But you want to pick a skill that you can commit to and you can commit to mastering it and one that you're actually going to get paid for, right? So you're picking this skill. I mean, not just picking it out of the air. There's some criteria here. You got to pick a skill that you can commit to that you're willing to commit to mastering. I'm using the word commit here, to mastering it. So You're going into this knowing that it may take some time. This is not a YouTube video you're going to watch in 12 minutes with three ads in between and click off and fast forward. No, you're going to commit to mastering it and one that can actually get you paid, one that can get you closer to the money line, whatever that looks like for you, whether you're in a, in a corporate job, a 95 kind of situation, or you're doing something more entrepreneurial. Pick a skill that you can commit to learning and you want to research and do what you have to do to figure out how much that's really worth on the market and i think that's an important part too not just how much is it worth in your organization but how much is the market willing to pay you know how much would somebody else pay for it because you might be getting low-balled in one spot you might not realize that that skill is worth a lot more other places they might not want to tell you how much because they don't want to get a situation where it's going to be an expense for them so this is what we're doing this week we're picking that skill Do the research, figure out what it is, what's the skill that's gonna get you through the money line. That homework for this week.
0: I love it because the market value. I just love that you mentioned that because the market value is key. Knowing your market value, that's helping so many people in negotiation right now that are looking for jobs. I'm like, well, what do I say? How I handle my salary negotiation, market value. Get on um the different websites, salary.com, so forth, so on, just for example, Glassdoor read the reviews, read what people are saying for the salaries and the skills associated with that. And also like size yourself up and see and go according to averages, read job reports, read um, the different things that companies put out about what they're looking for. Don't be afraid to ask about the salary for those of you that are looking for jobs. And yeah. like John like was saying, do the cross check, and I think we'll we'll share what we're up to as well next week. So you know that we're doing the work that we're sharing too. So there's more to come. But thank everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight for our first episode.
1: <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Stay profitable and have a powerful week. Thank you.